Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Heaven and earth are full of his glory. My brothers and my sisters in Christ. So there I was. Oh, this is going to be good. This guy is a good storyteller. The hairs on the back of your neck stand on end. You inch toward the edge of your seat when he says those words. So there I was. Because you're ready for a good one. Because he's a good storyteller. And he knows how to strike the balance. He's not going to tell you a story of the items that he picked up from the grocery store as if that were interesting. No, that might be something you can relate to, but it's not exactly what you call unique. It's definitely relevant to your life, but it's not interesting for a story. Nor is he going to bore you with a 45-minute presentation of his trip to Kenya, because even if you haven't been to Kenya, that might be very unique, but you'll hit probably that 20-minute uh, mark and start to ask, what does this exactly have to do with me? No, he strikes the balance between relevant and unique when he tells his story. Because human beings, we're storytellers. That's part of our DNA. That's part of who we are. And telling stories and listening to them is more than just entertainment. And it's more than just education. It's part of who we are. It's part of how we grow. Tomorrow is called Memorial Day where we remember the sacrifices many have made in our armed forces in service to their country. And how do we honor them better than by remembering their story? You don't even have to have a name in mind or a personal story. You don't have to know what missions they went on. But you know that at some point they enlisted, they deployed, and they gave up their life. We remember their story tomorrow. You see how important it is, how important it is as a people, it honors those who went before us when we remember their story. So there I was, he says, your veteran mentor, about to tell you a story of one of the missions he served on. And you know this is going to be good. Even if you've never been in the military yourself, you've never been on a mission yourself, it has everything to do with you, but at the same time, it has nothing to do with you. It is the perfect blend of relevant and unique. So there I was. Isaiah begins, and he's telling us a story that has nothing to do with us, but has everything to do with us. Isaiah's story has so much to do with us, in fact, that it might make you a little uncomfortable. So there I was, he says, the year that King Uzziah died. That year, which can be traced in history, this actually happened. An Israelite knew who King Uzziah was. It's like saying, where were you when JFK was assassinated? You remember. An Israelite could have remembered where they were when King Uzziah died. That year, that moment in human history, Isaiah says, I saw something. I saw something mag majestic and magnificent. I saw something horrifying and terrifying. I saw something that no one has seen and lived to tell the tale. I saw the Lord. I saw God as he is, seated on a throne, exalted and high above everyone. God as he is, because he was seated like a king with the train of his robe filling the temple. I saw God in all his glory, the glory that he has 
whether you accept it or not, whether you acknowledge it or not, the glory of God was there. I was looking at it. God as he is. This is not the God you can find on the inside of a Hallmark card as you open it and hear some verses that you may or may not understand but sound encouraging. This is not the God you can put on the dashboard of your car just to remind you to throw up a prayer now and again. This is not the God that asks you to remember him, you know, every once in a while. This is not one God among many. This is not the God that we come to sing and talk and think about in church, but you can pretty well leave out of your life for the rest of the week. This is not the God who you can put words into his mouth and pretend that you're living for him when you're really living for yourself. No, this is the one true, holy, glorious God, the head honcho, the creator of heaven and earth. The buck stops with him. You got out of bed this morning because he gave you permission. The world rotates on its axis. Human beings can continue to live. The sun gives its rays because he gives the go-ahead. This is God Almighty in all his holiness and glory, and it's terrifying. And as if that weren't enough, Isaiah is looking at this, and then he looks up, and what does he see? Angels. Here called seraphim, the burning ones. Not cute little Caucasian baby angels with cute little wings, shooting cute little arrows out of cute little bows. No, these are terrifying, horrifying creatures. They have six wings. And then when you notice what they're doing with their wings, there's even more cause to be afraid. Because with two of their wings, they're covering their faces. Not even these perfect, holy, majestic creatures can stand to look at the one true almighty God. With two wings, they're covering their feet and their form. Because not even these holy angels can stand to be exposed in front of the holy God. And with two wings, they're flying. Bashfully. Ashamedly, almost. And if that weren't enough, Isaiah hears their song. Their horrific, terrifying song. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Heaven and earth are full of his glory. What is more scary to us human beings than the holiness of God? Than the fact that God is so different than us? The fact that God thinks differently than we do, talks differently than we do, acts differently than we do, makes decisions differently than we do. God is perfect. He's 100% morally right in everything he thinks, says, and does, and decides. His decisions are always the right decisions. And what could be more different than you and me? God's holiness exposes our unholiness. God's perfection smites our imperfection. God's sinlessness shows how sinful we truly are. The scariest stories are about things that we don't understand. Aliens, spirits, voodoo. What do we understand less than the holiness of God? Today is Trinity Sunday. We celebrate the fact that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but he's not three different gods. He's just one God. 
but he expresses himself so obviously, so explicitly in Scripture as three persons. And over the centuries, big, big smart theologian people have tried all these different ways to explain how that can be true, to try to fit that into our little human heads. But they all fall short. No explanation of how God can be one in three persons satisfies intellectually. So maybe we should just pull in Isaiah and drop to our knees and exclaim, I can't understand you, God. I can't fit you into the box of my understanding. You are too holy. I am too unholy. Isaiah says, woe to me. I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and I have seen the Lord. Like a block of ice set right next to a raging fire, holiness and unholiness do not mix. And the ice is melting, Isaiah says. I'm done for. That's it. Because I'm a sinful human being. I speak sinful words, and those sinful words come out of a sinful mouth, and that sinful mouth speaks words that start from a sinful heart. There's no way I can survive. So there I was, Isaiah says, staring right at the holy God, which no one has seen and lived to tell the tale. Yeah? And then what happened? Because you're obviously alive, Isaiah. So how did you survive? What happened next? One of the seraphim fly to the altar, which still has burning coals from the fire that they had set to make their sacrifices. He takes a live coal and touches his mouth and says, your sin and your guilt are taken away. You have been atoned for. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord who makes you holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Now this isn't what you have experienced, right? No seraphim is flying across the church with a live coal from the altar of God to touch your mouth to purify you from your sins. But God has made you holy. God has forgiven your sin. You have been atoned for. You are at one with God through Jesus Christ. And the word about Christ flew into your ears and went down into your heart where the Holy Spirit created faith in the one true God who created and loves you. God's solution for your unholiness is to take it away and in its place to put holiness. God's solution for your sin and guilt is to remove it from you and in its place to put righteousness, goodness. God's solution for your hatred of him, your idolatry, and all of your sins that you have ever committed is to take them away, put them on a cross, crucify them, never to be seen again. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord who has made you holy. These seven verses of Isaiah chapter 6 are his little story of the vision that he had about God, but they're also the story of your life. The story of the impure turning into pure. The story of the unrighteous changing into righteous. The story of a sinful human being converting into a forgiven, loved child of God. 
through the purification of God himself. This is your story. And verse 8 is the story of the rest of your life. Because after this happens, God sits back and he says, All right, who's going to go out for me? Who is going to share the message of my holiness? The message of mankind's unholiness? The message of the only purification that can be brought to anyone? That it comes from me and me alone? Who's going to tell people of my glory? Who's going to spread my message? And Isaiah's sitting right there and like a bull that's trying to bust into the rodeo ring, like a student who knows the answer so fast and so well that her arm practically shoots out of its socket when she raises her hand, like a dying man who finally sees water and runs toward it. Isaiah cannot contain his purified eagerness. Here I am. Send me. I'll be the one. I'll share your message. I'll do it, God. Let me do it. You purified me. You've enabled me and you will be with me. Let me be your spokesperson to the world. And you know what? Here am I, Lord. Send me too. How about you? Amen. Amen.